0: sports leader. If I planned it myself, I'd probably be sitting in the room in Detroit where, you know, Jared's played all 100% of the snaps this year. You know, I would have been his backup and helping those guys. You know, getting experience so much in training camp. Ended up making the team on the first cut day and then released the night of and trying to decide what was next for me and I got to go to Minnesota and and, you know every week kind of figuring out if I'm going to be on the practice squad there or if there's going to be an opportunity to go to somebody's 53-man roster. I was out of practice and Coach O'Connell came up and grabbed me on the shoulder and said hey you don't know this yet but when you go into your your locker you're going to have a phone call from your agent
1: and the, the Cardinals are wanting to sign you to the active roster. That is from one episode of Hard Knocks in early January. David Blau uh, outlining his journey to Arizona from Minnesota to Detroit, or Detroit to Minnesota to Arizona. And that journey is bringing him back to Arizona. The Cardinals made a couple of moves yesterday. Uh, Tim Ring in for BIC today. And those moves, of course, Ringer. Zach Paschal, the wide receiver from Philadelphia, signing a two-year deal. And David Blau coming back. Uh, And we're not going to sit here and and pick apart the game of, of, of Zach Paschal. But we can pick apart this David Blau story, because right now, it looks like the Cardinals are content if, and it's a big if at this point, if Kyler Murray's not healthy at the beginning of the year, they are content to let Colt McCoy and David Blau compete for starting reps in the beginning of the 2023 season, unless they're willing to expend one of their draft picks on a quarterback at some point during the three days in April, but Right now, again, it looks like Blau and McCoy, with all kinds of questions about the health of Colt McCoy, moving forward, too.
0: And Vinny, even if they draft a quarterback, he's not going to be the stopgap to Kyler Murray. You wouldn't uh, think. I mean, especially if you're picking him in the third or fourth Mm -hmm. round. I mean, I guess anything is possible. So McCoy's McCoy's got one year under contract, one year on his contract left. He's scheduled to make $3.75 million. So I, I don't think Colt McCoy would walk away from that. But. But, but let me tell you something. You know, he was concussed at the end of
1: last year. There's already been reports that he's probably not going to be ready to go for the beginning of the off-season,
0: off-season workouts Mike, because Mike, of that. Mike Bidwell on the PASH podcast said that McCoy would not be a full participant in off-season workouts because of an injury. Now, I don't know. I mean, That wouldn't be the concussion, and he was only listed as having a concussion, so we don't know what the injury is. Mike Bidwell didn't say. I wonder, though, and, and again... A lot of guys don't turn down almost four million dollars uh, to to play an NFL season. No, but Colt McCoy again is going to be thirty-seven. He's got to learn a new offense. I mean, is is it a hundred percent guaranteed he's coming back? I would I would assume so, but it's something to think about. Coming off concussions like that on a team that is probably going to struggle. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, just, it's something to think about. And it then, is,
1: and when you consider what quarterbacks were available, and you know, Jacoby Brissett at a certain point made a whole lot of sense for the Arizona Cardinals if they really wanted a, a you know a veteran winning quarterback to plug in while Kyler Murray is out. And it seemed with the connection that he had with Drew Petzing and Cleveland coming from the Browns system that Brissett would make a lot of sense. Instead, he signs. A contract which might afford him an opportunity to compete for a starting job in Washington. Uh you know, they, they don't have a Kyler Murray in place there. Uh they Marcus, don't have, they don't have
0: their quarterback of the future. And Brissett got eight million. And now part of the problem is if Brissett's gonna get eight million from the commanders, mm-hmm. you can call Mike bid well frugal all you want I, I don't think you pay a guy eight million dollars certainly be an his, argument to be made to be that. a stopgap quarterback that's fair so that marriage may have never been able to materialize but gardner Minshew, uh marcus, marcus Mariota, Mariota was the guy i
2: was gonna say yeah uh, he's signed to be a backup with the
1: eagles those are all guys that were out there and available and maybe there's still faith in, in colt mccoy and, and maybe there's faith in david blau although I know you
0: looked it up during the break. He's never won a game as a starting quarterback. He's 0-7. Now, Colt McCoy's 3-3 and as a Cardinal starting quarterback. So I think Cardinal fans look at Colt McCoy as a serviceable guy. But the reality is Colt McCoy's been in the NFL 12 years. Mm-hmm. He's won 11 games as a starting quarterback. He's good in small doses. So if Kyler Murray's going to be out 7 or 8 games, this becomes a bigger problem. If he's going to be back in Week 5... Okay, if Colt McCoy's back, we feel that Colt McCoy can go out there for four games and give us a chance to win a couple of those.
1: Well, you hit on something when you said if Kyler Murray's going to miss seven or eight games. And I, I look, I think at this point of the off season, with the way things have transpired, especially coming off of a year that led to so much change with the Cardinals, all questions are fair right now. If the Cardinals don't appear to us right now to be a team equipped to win football games... Come September. I know where you're going with this. What is the impetus for Kyler Murray to come back and rush back to a
0: team that might not be ready to win? He may be thinking that now. What do you think he's going to be thinking if they're one in five? I think it's a fair question. You know, right? To, well, I'm not coming back for this. Yeah. Or I'm not coming back until I'm. Uh, if they were competitive and Kyler Murray felt that they were a quarterback away from making a playoff run, maybe he goes out there at 95%. But if if the Cardinals look to be non-competitive, and they have an ugly record, mm -hmm. Kyler Murray might be like, I'm not coming back until I'm guaranteed 100%. You're right. I'm not suggesting that Kyler Murray is one of those
1: guys that doesn't love football. He talks about how much he loves the game. I believe him when he says that. I do believe he's a competitor, but in this day and age, with the contract that's kicking into place next season, those are business decisions that have to be made. If I'm not 100%, guys will sacrifice for teams that they believe in, for causes that they believe in. I believe that this is a Super Bowl contending team. Kudos to my guys for, for keeping us afloat while I was out. I got to get back here for them. But yeah, right. One and five, one and six, in seven, God forbid business decisions get made. There was a lot of business decisions that got made by players not named Kyler Murray last year with the Arizona Cardinals when things went south. I'm just saying it happens. It creeps in.
0: Of course it does. And the reality is Kyler Murray's following what the team is doing right now in free agency. And you could say, well listen, they got a draft coming up, they've got a new front office, they're gonna they're gonna draft a lot better and there's gonna be guys ready to contribute from that from that draft class. You must build a team with a combination of drafting and savvy free agent signings. And right now they they just aren't going out there and making a splash in terms of acquiring difference makers mm-hmm. in free agency. And you're losing guys on top of that on a team that also wasn't very good to begin with last year. Mm-hmm. So Kyler Murray's got to be monitoring the situation going, are, are we trying to win this year? Are we trying to put ourselves in a position where when I come back, mm-hmm. we're going to make a you playoff run? Right. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't appear that is the case. It doesn't.
1: Coming up next, the Phoenix Suns have the Lakers tomorrow night. And a bunched up playoff scenario in the Western Conference will update the Sun's place in it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here with Tim Ring in for Bick on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
2: Don't miss out on some of the biggest matchups of the season when the D backs take on the Dodgers, Red Sox, Mets, Cubs, and Astros. Get your tickets now at dbacks.com.
0: And Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Marada mornings.
1: They want to hold that number four spot. Obviously, you want to have home court
0: advantage going into the playoffs. I have to think that we're going to see KD pretty soon. Uh, but also, uh, I don't think um,
1: the other players are really that concerned. Although, obviously, you want to go into the playoffs uh, in a winning way. But they saw him just in those three games, what he can do and how he changes the whole approach that teams have to defend against the Suns that I think right now uh, they're still in pretty good shape. That's the Hall of Famer Al McCoy, voice of the Suns, who announced his retirement at the end of the season late last week. He was in uh, studio with Wolf and Luke yesterday here on Arizona Sports talking about the Kevin Durant question, has to think he'll be back soon. And will that make everything okay? in the long run for the Phoenix Suns. They don't play again until tomorrow night against a team in the Lakers that is well-rested as they are. So you figure Anthony Davis will be a full go. LeBron James remains out. But the Lakers trying to work their way into playoff contention. The Suns, as you heard Al say, Tim trying to hold on to that number 4 spot. And we just talked to John Bloom as well. And Bloomer seems to be okay, even if the Suns are the sixth seed, which would have them opening up against the three seed right now. Believe that would be the the Memphis, the would be, uh, no, be the Kings. You're right,
0: but uh, it could, but it could be Memphis when the when the music stops. It could be and Memphis everybody grabs getting, their chair.
1: Yeah, Memphis is getting John ja Morant back. Isn't it amazing that John ja Morant could go to counseling and change his whole life, uh, but put it back together before Kevin Durant could come back from a sprained ankle? A good counselor, <laughs> really
0: good counselor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow the Grizzlies have maintained that second spot. That's, I give
1: them credit. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I th- because it, that's not the only player they're missing. Yeah. Jaw's out. They were missing Stephen Adams for quite some time. Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark's, Clark's right. out. Uh, Dylan Brooks gets suspended every other game because he can't stop getting technical fouls. So they've had some key members of their team missing, and they just continue to win games. That's a credit to them.
0: The thing about Durant missing games, the the any hope of the Suns. Catching the Grizzlies or the Kings pretty much went out the window when he sprained his ankle. We can all agree on that. Yes. The, the three-game losing streak then pretty much solidified that. That was a bad loss to Oklahoma City. You know, I talked about it on one of the post-game shows. I, I looked at I looked at that two-game run as as being a couple of must-wins, given the way the Suns' schedule shapes up now in these last eleven. Orlando, Oklahoma City, Orlando, Oklahoma City. Like I th- I thought those you know, in terms of keeping that four seed or making your life difficult. That's why the Suns not getting that win on Sunday, especially when you had game control for the majority of the of the afternoon. So now you look at it and say, the reality is, Vinny, like the Lakers right now are out of the playoffs. They're only three and a half games ahead of the Sun or behind the Suns. Mm -hmm. And that could be shaved to two and a half by the end of tomorrow night. That is correct. If DeAndre Ayton doesn't play, you know, the Suns are they're, they're offensively challenged now. I mean, I'm not breaking any news here. Yeah,
1: I, and I don't want to see, sound all doom and gloom, and I know I have this morning, um, but then you look at it, if you look at it from a different perspective, yeah, you know, in a vacuum, the Suns have issues right now. We've gone over some of those issues. The mindset of this team, Monty Williams struggling with rotations and substitution patterns. Kevin Durant's not there. DeAndre Ayton, the questions about his health. Um, but then you zoom out and you look at the rest of the Western Conference. And It makes you feel good. Even though it was only a three-game sample, it did look so effortless with Kevin Durant on the floor that you would feel pretty good, I still think, in a series, a regular best-of-seven series against anybody else, regardless of whether or not you have the home court advantage.
0: There's nobody in the Western Conference that's not insurmountable. I agree with that. And that's... That's the reality of it. I do think the Suns have lost some valuable time to gel with Kevin Durant, to Absolutely. figure out how to play with him. I don't think to there's any fine roles on a basketball team, which any coach will tell you is imperative into having success, cohesion, and chemistry. They've lost that. They've lost that time. Now, maybe Durant gets back for the final five, and that'll help five, five or six. Even if it's four, whatever. You don't want him parachuting in for game one of the playoffs. No. You want to get him back. But they've lost, they've lost that valuable, whatever it would have been, 20-some games with Kevin Durant that they could have had had he not sprained his ankle. Let's be conservative based on Shams' report
1: yesterday. It says the Suns are optimistic it could be before the end of March. Let's say it's not. Let's say it's April 1 is the date. That would leave Kevin Durant and the Suns five games. Five games. At Oklahoma City, home against San Antonio, Home against Denver at the Lakers and home against the Clippers, and that would be not just five games, but four of those games. Again, you could take San Antonio out of the mix because they got their eyes on on Victor Wembanyama. Uh, but those the Oklahoma City, Denver, Los Angeles, and L.A. Maybe not Denver. Denver's probably going to be locked into the one seed. So uh, three of those games would give you a true test of maybe playoff intensity as well, which would be valuable because that's something we didn't necessarily see in any more than one of the games that Durant did play, and that was the Dallas game on that Sunday afternoon.
2: When the injury first happened, I think we set the number as it has to be at least three games when he comes back at the end of the season. Uh-huh. If he can get at least three games before the playoffs, we might feel alright. So that, that to me, that's the number where I want to see him at least get three games. Well, three games 5 games so we'll timetable be... of
0: return at four weeks from the injury. But there's two different conversations here, gang.
2: I mean, yeah. That's what happens on this show.
0: Dur- Dur- no, Dur- Durant... We don't like to listen to Durant. Durant can come back three games left, five games left, Four, whatever. And the Suns could probably beat everybody in the West in a seven-game series. I get that. I totally understand that. I'm down with it. I still believe and hope the Suns can win the NBA championship. That's how good I think Durant is and what a difference he will make. What I'm concerned about is them falling out of the standings to an extent where they have put themselves in a ridiculously hard position to make the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. Because the losses could still pile up over the next three games.
2: But if they're not in the play-in, if they're not in the play-in, any other position, even if they're sixth, wouldn't you still feel confident with a healthy Durant?
1: You would but you again would, you're but going it, you're going into a if it's sacramento you're playing you're going into a great unknown a team that doesn't have any playoff experience collectively uh, and you're going into a city that would have home court advantage and you're playing with a rabid fan base and you're Those, play, yeah,
0: you're playing every game seven on the on the road mm-hmm. uh, now <laughs> we swear, game sevens we are not always valuable at home as we found out as, last, we, last, as last we found out, but mm-hmm. still you would rather not be in Sacramento for a Game 7. Or any, the, for anything. But the, re, the reality is, if, if DeAndre Ayton can't come back, and you're looking at the way the Suns are presently constructed, it is not inconceivable that by the time we all go to bed on Saturday night, the Suns are firmly in the play-in. So they, they've, got, they've, they've got to figure some stuff out against three pretty good teams well, I think this th- week.
1: And there's another level of trepidation because we don't know about DeAndre Ayton. I, I, if you tell me right now DeAndre Ayton's playing tomorrow night against the Lakers, I feel a heck of a lot better about the Suns extending that winning streak and getting what they ultimately need. That They just need wins. That's, I wish, that's what they need. I huh? wish Chris Paul would at least show some flashes
2: that he could at least give you those one or two games. of score. You know he hasn't scored... 20
1: points since January 28th. Yeah, it's been a while. But he's doing other things well. I think his defense has been been pretty good. His hands still remain elite. He's he's, he's dishing the oh, ball yeah. well. His assist numbers the are scoring, good. The, shooting, the, the shooting scoring and the scoring is, is, is what has, you need, though, dropped right, off. Now. right now you do. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, the Coyotes are streaking and... Our next guest is the father of a professional hockey player. We'll talk to uh, Shane Doan, the Coyotes' chief hockey development officer, next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring. In for Beck here on Arizona Sports, the local sports go leader. Go
0: streaking, get your green hat. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Doan scores on the rebound. Shane Doan. Shane Doan got a piece of it. I think this goal is going to go to the captain. Captain Coyote. Shane Doan sends a one-hopper on that. He scores! Yeah. Hey. The captain, Coyotes legend Shane Doan, up early to talk Coyotes hockey with Bickley and Mirage. Shot by Shane Doan. He scores! Oh, it's a time of the week where we talk to
1: Coyotes legend, Chief Hockey Development Officer Shane Doan here on the Arizona Sports Line. Donor, how are you today? I am doing good. How are you guys doing good. today? Other than my voice getting really high when I said donor, I'm doing, I'm doing great, Shane. Uh, <laughs> by the way, congratulations as you join us now for the first time on this show as the Father of a professional hockey player, with Josh making the uh, the decision to forego his college eligibility. He's already played two games with Tucson. How are you feeling? Oh,
3: it's 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 obviously pretty unique. Um uh, I, you know what? I didn't, I don't think I said a word for the first like hour and a half of his first game and my wife was like, okay, you have to talk because you talk nonstop during games. So get talking because it's making me nervous. But it was, uh, <laughs> it, it was, uh, it's good. It's good. I, uh, he did great. He, uh, obviously knows that he's got a long way to go, but he's excited and can't. Can't wait to get there.
0: You know, Shane, like like all of us who have kids, it flies by. It, there must be part of you that's like, wasn't this kid just like four years old? And now I'm watching him, not only at ASU, now playing professional hockey. I mean, can you kind of put that into words? What it's like as a father to see that?
3: Yeah, I. Yeah, that is one of those. Yeah, exactly. um I I can remember, you know, watching our games and sitting up in the stands and he would sit in the front row with my wife kind of up top and, and, and literally not speak to one person and just watch the game so carefully. And was so like father, like son. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And so enthralled in it. And that now, obviously it's, uh, the roles are reversed and it's just one of those crazy things. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And I, I'm blown away by him. He's such a good young man, and I'm so grateful that he's getting an opportunity.
0: He admitted he changed his mind about eight times whether or not he wanted to leave ASU and do this, Shane. As a father... Obviously, he comes to you for advice. He sought advice out from a lot of different people, actually. But how do you handle that? I mean, because you don't want to tell him what to do. Do you present the pros and cons for each decision? What were those conversations like?
3: Yeah, you know what, it was it was intense. Uh, the the last night that we talked, probably for about two and a half hours, just him and I talking about kind of my thoughts and he wanted me to, (laughs) he kind of, I haven't said really anything to him in the last four years since he left home. I kind of, he's kind of made all of his own decisions and, and, I probably was much more vocal in the first couple of times when he had big decisions to make when he was leaving. And those both those times he chose to do something that I suggested not to, And it turned out way, way better than, uh, than doing what I said. So, uh, I think that gave him confidence to make this decision, but all I said was really truly to him was once you make it, don't, don't look back. Like whatever decision you make, just go forward, and, and uh, if you can accept the decision, then it's the right one. And and once you do that, then keep going. And you never know what's going to happen, so just enjoy it. And uh, don't don't get looking over your shoulder, wondering, "Well, maybe I should have done this instead." Mm-hmm. That was really the only advice I gave him.
1: Shane Doan, uh, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line of Bickley and Murata Mornings, uh, and I know it's only been two games that he's played with Tucson in the AHL, but as Josh, given you any insight on the the step up in competition? What what kind of a, a transition that is to go from college Division One to you know an upper minor league in in, in American hockey?
3: Yeah, you know, as I, I watched both of his games, my wife and I drove down to watch both of his games, and and obviously the speed and strength of the guys. Um, you play college, and some of the guys are. Are fairly strong and fairly you know fast, but at the American Hockey League level, everyone is. And um, the difference the difference in uh, between the NHL and the American Hockey League is is really the processing, like the way that the guys process the game quicker. But the physical strength and the physical speed isn't that much of a, it isn't that much of a jump. It's just the the mental side of the game because everyone's men. And, and he's noticed that. He's noticed, you know, the speed and strength is obviously a step up. And he's, and it's the he played back to back on uh, Friday, Saturday, and now he plays again tonight and tomorrow, and that's going to be another part of it that he's going to get used to is he's are going to play four games um in a very, in a very short amount of time, and that's just professional hockey yeah. It's funny the coyotes actually played. Five games from if I count tonight's game till next Tuesday when I talk to you, they play five <laughs> games in that week. And so we laugh and joke about a short NFL week. Yeah, uh, this is a short hockey week when you have to play five games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the
0: co- coyotes are at Winnipeg uh, tonight. By the way, uh, you know Donor, we we talked about it earlier today. I mean it's an eight-game point streak that they, they've won. They what is they won a uh, six out of seven games. I don't know how much carryover there is from one season to the next, and there are still 12 games left remaining in this particular season, but what is a late season surge this season impact-wise on the future of the organization? Is there anything there that we can kind of hang on to and, and say, okay, this this is starting to turn around and this could be a factor next year?
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, your track record is what it is, and there's, and the- What's well, Bill Parcells' famous line? You, you, you are, are You are what are your are record horrific.
0: says you are.
3: Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So there's an element to that that, without a doubt, is definitely um, resonates. But year to year does drastically have a huge difference. And uh, mindset of mindset of a hockey team is it's so hard to. To understand, and if you're on the right side of it and everything seems to go your way, it's that positive kind of outlook, then you seem to be playing uh, a little with a little more step and a little bit more um, jump in your step, and you're, you're moving a little bit freer. And if you get on the wrong side of it, then all of a sudden it feels like everything's going against you. And, um, It's hard. You're playing with house money kind of a little bit right now. You understand that pressure's not exactly on the way that it is at other times in the year. And we're rolling and we want to keep that going as long as we can. Now, it's going to be hard. Next year's going to be hard again.
1: Yeah, but uh, in, in the interim, Tim mentioned uh, tonight, Winnipeg, that's followed by road games at Edmonton and Colorado, and, and part of this streak, six straight wins at Mullet Arena, but now you go out on the road. When you see this recent, the, the recent uh, play uh, of this team, Shane, what stands out, the difference between how they're playing at home and how they're playing on the road, in your eyes? Uh, well, <laughs>
3: on, uh, at home, there's an element that, of- they expect to win, and there's an element that you, you, um, that they're confident in their in their in their mullet and that's something that's unique. It's created a unique environment. And on the road, it's you're battling you're battling in, against teams that are in the playoffs. You look at. Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Colorado, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a tough, tough week, uh, this these next three games and four nights and uh, they're gonna have their hands full. The difference I think is our goaltending has been so good at home. So, so good. And Clayton Keller has been on fire and Barrett Hayton, I think, is I don't know what his split is, but you see his confidence at home and, and that, that just gets us a mindset. It's not it's not the way it'll be for his whole career, but you see, the, you see the examples of it. And again, it goes back to that belief. When you believe something, you, you usually fulfill it.
1: Yeah, I have 12 games left in this season and, and the way the team's playing right now obviously a positive and I'm asking this somewhat historically because we know there's a, an arena and entertainment uh, whole facility project vote coming up in May which is very important to the future of this franchise and historically once upon a time the Arizona Cardinals had a big win on a Sunday before election day on Tuesday and a lot of people believe to this day that uh, the momentum of that win had something to do with the positive vote. Has that, has that been talked about organizationally finishing strong to kinda of leave a, a good taste in in the mouths of the voters of Tempe to get this project pushed across, Shane?
3: Oh without a doubt there's not it goes back to what we've talked about already. I mean the fact we're talking about the team in the positive light is is just it's fuel for for that it's fuel for public opinion and it's important and um, we need to make sure that we keep it going and that's something that uh, we're we're aware of we understand that that's not going (laughs) to it's not going to be the deciding vote but it's definitely going to be something that helps it in 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 our direction and again it all goes back to what you know, Mayor Woods said and what everyone has said over and over again, that the deal the Coyotes are offering everybody, the city of Tempe is literally the best deal that any sports franchise has ever offered a city in, uh, in building a building. And that's not coming from us. That's coming from Mayor Woods, who is not someone that just threw his support behind us immediately. He's someone that went through it and studied everything. So that's going to be the deciding the deciding vote but it doesn't hurt for us to win as many games and make the experience as good as we can when we come to the moment
0: Donor, what would you say is the biggest concern for the organization right now in terms of not getting the ultimate decision that you guys want does the organization yeah go ahead no just that just that people
3: don't truly believe that it's publicly, it's not going to cost them anything. I mean, that is that is probably the biggest part of it, is that people, because, and rightfully so, everyone questions, um, you know, that well, is there something hidden here? Is there all these other things yep. that uh, people are worried about? But it isn't. I mean, and that's, again, that's why the the city council voted 7-0. That's why, the, like I said, Mayor Wood said, this is the best deal that's ever been offered to a city. Yeah. But people don't really believe that because of the skepticism of of just the way that I guess franchises and professional organizations and professional teams have taken advantage of cities, and so they're worried about that. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't hold that against anybody. But you understand why they think that way. It's just not the case in this in this time so that would be my only concern and i think that's the organization's concern yeah. just that so we make sure that people know the truth
1: donor great stuff as always stuff we are sorry about your canadian uh baseball team in the world baseball classic not advancing but uh, hey
3: oh i know <laughs> that was hey but did you see that the cincinnati reds are considering trading joe joey Votto to the toronto blue jays if they're in contention Ooh, that so that, that's that's big news in Canadian baseball right now as I'm getting ready for fantasy baseball to start right away. <laughs> hey, they, hey,
0: Donor, if things don't improve, hockey's going to supplant baseball yeah. as the, the national pastime well, in, in Canada. Well, that, <laughs>
2: <laughs> will that Votto trade be happening in 2017? Is, is ah, I didn't know it was hey,
3: still in Come on now. Me. Joey Votto is a Canadian legend in baseball. Uh, and a classic. Larry
1: Walker. Yes. Donor, have a great week. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Shane Doan, uh, Coyotes' Parker. chief hockey development officer. Uh, he joins us on Tuesdays here to talk some Coyotes hockey. Coming up next, we'll talk some NFL, and there's some hash marks to get into on quarterbacks, both in the league and coming into the league. We'll get into all of it next. Pickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring in for Bic here on Arizona Sports, the local sports
0: leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Quickly, Hang Mulata. Hash marks. <laughs> I think the Patriots need some real juice offensively because they don't have anyone over there that really scares you, particularly on the outside. Get a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who's obviously he's not he's he's never been a speed burner, but he's about as reliable as you can get at, at the receiver position. That's what the Patriots need, especially with with Mac Jones coming off that down year. Get him somebody reliable on the outside.
1: That is Damian Woody from ESPN, NFL analyst, talking about uh, the New England Patriots being a team that could be interested in the services of DeAndre Hopkins. And there was a little bit of a report today in Rappaport from NFL Network, uh, tweeted out at 7.05 this morning. As the status of Arizona Cardinals star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins comes into focus, talks are ramping up among the interested teams. Sources say... Similar to Brandon Cooks, a trade would likely mean an altered contract. It's interesting, too, and you consider the the Cowboys were the team that went and got Brandon Cooks, and a lot of people figure that takes them out of the Hopkins mix and also takes them out of the Odell Beckham Jr. mix, which the Cowboys have been hot and heavy uh, on, on Beckham, at least in terms of attention and conversation and workouts and things. And they attended the workout. They were one of the 14 teams at the workout in Tempe, and they decided pretty soon after that, to move on from from Odell Beckham Jr. and go the Brandon Cooks route where they could have had Odell Beckham Jr. without giving up any any compensation at all. So I wonder if if, if that's a tell um, on what the Cowboys think of Odell Beckham Jr.'s ability to get back and, and be healthy. And productive,
0: or is it a monetary issue? I mean, Josina Anderson came out, yeah. and I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. was happy about it, but was saying he was looking for the neighborhood of twenty million dollars. He's which not going to get which that is ridiculous, ridiculous, yeah, ridiculous. But if that, but if that's the asking price. You know, maybe that maybe that was a factor uh, as well. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be thirty-one over the summer, Vinny, and obviously the cap hit here is monstrous. But Hopkins also wants a new deal uh-huh. uh, because the guaranteed money is running out. So much so that, uh, well, it's gone. <laughs> so much so that he's hired an agent yeah. to handle this. Whatever happens. So if you're the Cardinals, though, you're obviously trying to get a second-round pick. I think the dream of a first-round pick seems to be going. Going by the wayside. Uh-huh. So now you got, you, you got a, you've got the age of the wide receiver, which is not terrible. No. But when you talk about extending a contract and giving up a second-round pick, does the age of 31 become a factor for a Bill Belichick or anybody else who... Who may be interested. Just consider all factors, though, there hasn't been
1: a lot of miles put on those tires in the last couple of years for DeAndre Hopkins. Hop misses games. Now, he, once upon a time, he didn't. But now he Hop does. Don't, Hop don't miss games. Hop does miss games. Yeah, Hop though. does miss games.
2: But that, when you we were talking about that, the most they could hope for is a second-round pick. In retrospect now, because at the time, we kind of liked it, they really shouldn't have traded a first for Hollywood Brown. It should have been a that should have been a second. Oh, I've totally done a 180 on that. But e- even in the context of where the league is now, that should have been a second-round pick. It's really surprising that they had to give up a first for Hollywood Brown, who's not an elite receiver.
0: No. But in it retrospect, was, it was a very bad
1: trade. Very bad it trade. It was a
0: very bad trade.
1: Because Gambo had reported, too, that had the Cardinals stayed put with their first-round pick, they would have drafted Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa. Who turned out to be a you know, day one starter for the Ravens, and that would have filled a role that the Cardinals need to fill this offseason too. Yeah, I've done a one eighty. I liked it, and, and um, I agree with Tim now. I think it, I think it was a, a bad trade in retrospect.
0: I had a college football producer from ESPN talk with no hindsight the day the day it went down. Terrible trade by Steve Kahn. Hollywood Brown is not worth a number one pick. And that's the other thing. Not only I mean, if DeAndre Hopkins is warranting a second round pick. You look at what Hollywood Brown brings to a football team. Uh I think he's a good number two receiver. And I think he was decent last year. Decent. Before the injury. It's okay. Yeah. But he's not a number one. No. You don't trade DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins and say, okay, Hollywood Brown slides into number one. Let's go win a Super Bowl. You know, so that's a factor as well. Yeah. In terms of the draft and uh, quarterbacks
1: in the draft, we're seeing the elevation again. There's a lot of mock drafts that have quarterbacks going one, two, three, maybe depending on trades, one, two, three, four. Carolina Panthers have moved up to the number one spot. Uh, they are a team needing a quarterback. They've got a new head coach in Frank Reich, who played quarterback in the NFL and has always showed a penchant towards bigger, stronger, taller quarterbacks. Could that uh, maybe? Take Bryce Young out of the mix. Here was a Frank Reich yesterday
4: talking about how the Panthers evaluate the quarterbacks in the draft. We're, first and foremost, just looking for playmakers, right? You look at everything, every trait that a guy has, and you weigh it, right? You weigh it. The thing is, is when if there's 10 categories that you look at in a quarterback... Or any player, for that matter. The real question is not how to evaluate each of those categories. I mean, that's a part of the question. A big part of the question is how much you're going to weight each of those categories. So they're all a factor. Everything's a factor, but ultimately, um, it really comes down to being a, being a playmaker. You know, being a guy who can make plays all over the field, and that happens a lot of different ways. How do you weigh that that stature pieces. Yeah, I mean, that would be like giving the proprietary formula for Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why that just came out like that. Not, not that I want to put my evaluation of quarterbacks, you know, on that level of, you know.
1: He doesn't want to give away his uh, recipe of herbs and spices, apparently. But uh, history shows that uh, Frank Reich in 17 years of coaching has never had a quarterback six uh shorter than six two. Bryce Young is, I think, the top quarterback still in this draft. Five ten and an eighth, and people will say the weight at the combine was fudged due to you know you know his
0: diet increasing. So he, he had a bunch a of Kentucky number. Fried Chicken before the weigh-in. I like the quarterback,
1: but man, I would have pause about drafting somebody that small and that slight. I would not do.
0: It. I would I would take C.J. Stroud. Yeah. And I, I, from what I've read, Frank Reich. Probably prefers C.J. Stroud, but David Tepper, the owner, prefers Bryce Young.
2: Do you love C.J. Stroud, though, or you would take him because you just like him better than Young?
0: I like him better than Young in the National Football League. I think Young was a better college quarterback, but I, I'm like Vinny. I can't get past the height. And he's also very slight and very skinny. Um, he, and, you know, Kyler Murray struggles with his height, but he has got a stronger arm. Sturdy, armor. yes. Yeah, he's, he's thicker and he's a better
1: runner. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, that's the other thing. Bryce Young's not a great runner. Right. Yeah. So there's a, to me, there's a lot of red flags. There. I think it's going to be a very interesting five weeks leading up to the draft on that front. Bracket busted? Don't worry, you still got a shot at five hundred dollars. Just text bucks to six twenty six twenty. We'll send you a link to fill out your sixteen team bracket. That's bucks b u c k s to six twenty six twenty. It's the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. Coming up next, we hit the nine o'clock hour with Sarah Gazelle taking us through some social studies. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.